Hey there, welcome everybody. This is Justin Neal, a.k.a. Juddy. This is the first episode of John with Juddy, which I think is a pretty cool name that uh, my buddy Bamba thought of, who is actually our first guest, and uh, you'll enjoy him. He's a pretty comical guy. We talk about anything from the screenplays he's written and produced, his award-winning TV show he's on, and then uh, his kind of love for filmmaking and how that's brought him to where he is today. But I uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, these will be pretty funny people coming up. And uh, we'll begin, we'll kick off the inaugural podcast with Jason Anderson, a.k.a. Bamba. Enjoy. Recording. Throw your mic on. Uh, <clears throat> I need it's on. Never mind. Yeah, first show working. All right, so we're going to begin because he's lighting a cigar. So welcome to the first podcast ever on my back porch. This is, uh, we think it will be called Jawing with Juddy. And... Um, Hopefully many more to come, but my special guest tonight um, needs no introduction, but his name is Bamba. His real name is Jason Anderson, um, but goes by Bamba. And I've known Bamba for probably 15 years, 20, 20 years. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, I have a list of people I want to sit down with in my backyard and talk a little bit with, and you are number one on the list. And all of our neighbors, the neighbors are... <clears throat> <laughs> are going what the heck is going on over there at the Neil residence they think they don't know what I don't know what they think they already thought you were crazy now yeah. they know you are nothing so. nothing different just yeah. wave to the audience yep the dogs are gone but it's it's a Thursday <clears throat> night you know there's cameras set up Thursday. lights you know it's what yeah. we do um, by the way this uh, this show is uh, sponsored in part by my website which is mnlowdownpaper.com my mortgage website so um so Bamba and I have been friends for about 15 years, almost 20 years. We have worked together off and on. Bamba's probably we the most... We didn't work together. You were my boss when we first <laughs> met. That's true. Um, he was my first, like, <laughs> oh my goodness, this guy's a... I found you in the streets of... You of did. Lana Lakes. Dusted me off. And <laughs> brought you... Throw a tie on me and... The fit ball. Um, Those were the good old... That was in good old uh, Highland Park. Yes, it was. Minnesota, uh, in St. Paul. Have you been back since then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that area. That was the first Chipotle that I had ever gone to. It was the... Me too. They had Tiffany's over there. So Tiffany's still there, which later years I found out was the only Kansas University bar. Really? And I don't know if you remember, but... Oh, I remember. I'm a rather rabid Jayhawk fan, so... I didn't know it was a... I never saw stuff on the walls in there the only thing that yeah there is was there? yeah there was a there's a jayhawk and then the only thing i i couldn't swallow about the place was it was also a packer bar <laughs> so it's like my favorite thing on earth during basketball season because there is nothing better on earth than college basketball and the worst thing on earth because they also represent green bay i don't remember that i remember i remember they always had sports on in there at all times of the day, but I don't remember ever seeing a lot of Packers stuff in the walls. But I remember Brian working there. Oh, yeah. Jacobson. We had yeah. a teller that was a college kid at St. Thomas that would work there until 3 a.m. and show up at the bank at 7.30 to open. And then... Always had a smile on his face. Always smiling. Always, always working his butt off. He's, yeah. We will have to tag Brian, who is also in the mortgage industry. <laughs> he is. On he this is. one. He is. He's... Uh, that was when he was only 18 years old. But, um, yeah, I, I rather enjoyed that... That location of Holland Park and uh, Chipotle. Well, that was my first time with uh, Chipotle as well. But I, before we both started working there, we were eighty-five pounds each. Yes. And by the time we <laughs> left, 
I a blame, year and a half later. I blame you. <laughs> we were both 300, and I blame you because you'd always be like, hey, Chipotle? No, I'm buying. Okay. Wait a minute. That's where it all went wrong. That's where it went wrong. That's where that left turn happened. I never knew. Um, Bamba, so I wanted to bring you here tonight to talk to you about your experiences because here's why you're the most interesting person that I think I know. Um, the main reason is you have a stormtrooper on the side of your car. I do. That I did not know about until about an hour ago. So oh, really? Can you explain to me how it is that you're the only person in the Metro that has a stormtrooper on the side of their car? I'm not the only person. I've never seen There's it before. There's also a gentleman. Actually, I got it from a good friend of mine named Billy Gelberg, who runs Metal Soda, and he has his own podcast, too. Really? Um, he highlights uh, local metal in Minnesota, and uh, he has a Focus ST that he has converted into a stormtrooper helmet. Everything in the thing is a stormtrooper, but it's the old, like, Star Wars A New Hope Stormtrooper. Right. So, if you notice, mine was from the last movie that came I out. I did notice that. So he couldn't use it, and he saw my car, and he's like, you got to put this on. And I said, you're absolutely right, I do. And uh, put it on there, and it's been a pretty big hit. Do you get some looks from people? Oh, yeah. Some high fives? Did you? And I also have a Jayhawk emblem on the front of the car. So I didn't see that. I have to check that out, too. <laughs> Again, my two favorite things. In my phone case... I have Star Wars movie poster, those of you that can see it. Star Wars movie poster with a little Jayhawk button right there. And see, I thought you were so much more than that, but... No, that's it. That's, that's it. Just that. That's, <laughs> as, <laughs> that's as shallow as it is. So. Well, Jason and I go back again to our banking days. We had very boring jobs in banking. We both since moved on to bigger and better things, but... Um, one thing that I like about you is that you've never been afraid to do stuff that others don't do, i.e. Uh, producing movies, i.e. producing and writing screen films, Z-Fest, um, TV show. Can I say hit TV show? I mean, it's it's, cable the, biggest, access, it's, it's the biggest TV show on this. It's a big deal. This side of the Mississippi, yeah. yeah I've right. had people clamoring for why I run summer break so long. I, I get, know. It's, I get phone calls. The fan mail is just ridiculous. The emails. <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you just... I believe the term is they break the internet, you know, from yeah. people demanding off constantly. So I've had people picketing. You know, I'm ready to do it year round. It's the other two that are <clears throat> kind of divas and need their time away. So we won't say their names, but no, we won't. So tell me about um, what got you into. So let's rewind back again in time. You and I are both fresh faced bankers um, back in 2003. Um, and suddenly uh, we went different directions. But what got you into movie filmmaking and stuff like that i had a friend that um he ran a started a production company called brewtown productions and his name was josh and he was having some really hard he had all the desire he had the ability to write but he had no connections with anything so he tried getting some locations for the film and he asked me because of my connections in banking if i knew anybody that owned a restaurant and I said, yeah, actually, I know somebody that owns a restaurant. And it would be perfect because they close at 2. And um, we could shoot the rest of the day there. And so I spoke with the owner, and she was like, yeah, absolutely. And I came back um, and said, I got the restaurant. And he goes, great, here's 16 other locations. Can you help me with them? <laughs> so that's how I got into the world of filmmaking. It started with I just knew people that owned places. Which film was that? That was the film called Gehenna. Gehenna. So what was the, 
so it was uh, it was already written and ready to go when you stepped in. So you were just producing it. Yep, I had. I was. They were already almost in pre-production at that point. I think I went in in a meeting at a. I think it was Old Chicago at Northtown. <laughs> nice. They were the guys were meeting there, and I came in, and I when I walked out of that, I was so jazzed. You know, you talk about doing things that other people mm-hmm. don't do. Who has that opportunity? Right. Nobody. Did you and know you had that passion? Did you know that you had that spark inside you? With film? Yeah. I've always done, tried to do things school, in entertainment. In high school, I was in a heavy metal band. Dang. We were called Soda Pop Stranger. Do you have some songs you could play? Um, Not like live, but like I actually found a video cassette of our first performance that I got to get up to the studio. Oh, my gosh. Convert it to DVD so I can start using it for things Don't like lose this. that. Um, yeah, I had the Billy Ray mullet. Mm-hmm. I've seen the um, picture. I was wearing a, because it was my debut, I had to look sexy. So I was wearing a black silk shirt. Oh, gosh. And acid wash jeans. Um, we knew about 14 songs, I think, when we got up there. We were hired to play an hour and a half, but we were so nervous. We played the songs <laughs> about halftime. So 14 <laughs> songs lasted about... 45 minutes nice and they're like hey you still got another 45 minutes to play go back to so the door at one. that point we exited the stage went into the dressing room to try and figure out what to do um at one point we decided to go back out on stage and we get it back on stage and we start playing songs that we had never played together as a band oh jeez! it was a glorious disaster i think i even have some film of that um i literally was standing on the stage and our guitarist went into a uh, uh, sweet emotion. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a pretty harmonious song. Yeah. And to hear, you know, five 17-year-olds whose voices aren't quite changed trying to hit that sweet Were you a singer? Were you a lead singer? Emo- no. Hell no. Would you play a guitar? I played bass. Oh, okay. I figured it was the easiest, easiest uh, instrument to play. I, I, I told my dad, and I was a junior in high school and i said you know dad i think i kind of really like heavy metal music i think i'm gonna start a band and he said he'll still tell you the story he goes but you don't know how to play an instrument (laughs) and he goes that didn't seem to bother you at the time (laughs) you were like yeah i know i'll figure that part out so and i mean for a high school band we were we were doing pretty good we played some shows in south dakota and um did you get get a tour bus at some point we did. We had minivans. Oh, that's you know, we same. had a caravan of caravans, <laughs> and uh, you know, when we formed the band, our big goal was to be to play an outdoor gig. And we, I, I secured us opening up for Jan and Dean, who was like a '60s surfer group. Mm-hmm. They sang "Dead Men's Curve." They were pretty big back in the day, um, and we was at the Noka County Fairgrounds. We get there and. Uh, it's an outdoor concert, so there's about 8,000 people in the stands. It was like the dream had come true. Well, my girlfriend and the guitarist girlfriend got into a fight. Oh, no. uh, we had done the sound check. Things were going... I mean, it was literally the whole reason we went into the business. And standing there at the side of the stage as we're ready to go up... I get a tap on the shoulder and it's her guitarist and he's got his guitar in the case 
And he said, I'm not putting up with this. I'm out of here. <laughs> because it's a family show, I won't use the exact words he said. Um, but he quit. Our drummer looked at me and said, well, if he's gone, I'm leaving. So he walks up on stage and starts taking apart his kit. It was just like our whole dream together. We got there, and then it was like it just fell apart right in front of me. I think that's how a lot of bands self-destruct though it is and i don't get it i I don't don't understand you're so close to your goal and yet you can't keep it together as a team no no and i mean you know that was my first experience where it was like i really have to know the people that i work with i really have to trust the people i work with Mm -hmm. you know we've worked together for almost 20 years off and on on Mm -hmm. either careers jobs you know we do a lot you help out a lot with a lot of the things that i've asked you to do over the years and some of them this the fact that we're still talking we, yeah right we now. can't mention some of those things we did I, we, you know I, we did that short uh yeah the volleyball assist one that's right we did we shot that at what was that spectrum <clears> high school <throat> yep, it was that was a really be. fun shoot really long day we learned a lot that day yeah 14 hours is too long to shoot um and that was actually that was probably the most fun i think we've had on like a set um i did enjoy being a part of your first z fest submission trolling trolling that was kind of fun yep we learned a lot on that one too yeah you know i know three years from tonight we're going to look back at this podcast and we're going to learn a lot from three years to today so i'm sure yeah it for sure will and i think um but back to the bands i it's so funny and obviously you guys didn't reach stardom but there's been so many bands that have reached such high levels and they just self-destruct and maybe it's just because of the pressure and who knows what else but i'm just surprised that like you've got your life all set for you you can just keep it together and some bands just kind of fall apart i think a lot of it is to play good music you really got to put yourself out there you have to tap into some emotions that you guys don't normally deal with and you have to become vulnerable to make great art and you know we were writing our own songs we you know and i think part of that was we got to look into each other a little bit more and maybe some of us, because we were so young and didn't know better, pushed the bear a little bit when we didn't, you know, if right. we knew something bothered somebody, we'd maybe focus on that for a <laughs> while. Because we were stupid kids, you know? Well, hey there, Penny. So our audience tonight, we've got, a, we've got a golden doodle over our shoulder. Um, can we switch mics? Because I, uh, I can still hear your necklace back and forth. Oh, switch, switch mics? mics? Yeah. I'll use that one. I told you it was going to I know. Do it. I know, but I, I didn't listen. Oh, Here you go. Clippers. All right. This just looks pretentious. <laughs> it looks better on you. Oh, one second. All right. So, um, I think for me, it's been fun to be along for the ride with what you do because I... I would never have gotten into, I mean, I told you before that off constantly, that's one of the most fun nights of my, of my month. Like I've got a, I've got a pretty dry day job. It's not supposed to be exciting at work, but, uh, when I step into the studio. I was just going to Facebook live right now because we always do that on the show. Yeah. That doesn't work well with, oh, turn that around. Um, turn it around. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, that dog is hilarious. I should let her outside. Um, everybody's home now. (laughs) (laughs) They won't come out. I'm sure. We might get some, we might get some birthday cake if we're lucky. There's what? Some, there's some cake in there, just so you know. Okay. I'll, I'll knock on the window, have them bring us some cake. Okay. Like it's a restaurant. Um, but so tell me about about 
back to Jehenna. So, and I think I've heard the story about the restaurant. Didn't the restaurant catch on fire? Almost burned down. Something happened. <laughs> Wait, and before, let, should we have like a safe word? Let, let's have a safe word. So if you don't want to go somewhere. Kumquat. Broccoli. I was going to say. Kumquat. What, um, what movie was that I just saw? Uh, I don't know. Vin Diesel, Triple X. Is that what the safe word was? Yeah. <laughs> Kumquat. It was funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, we, we bought our, for our first movie, it was really low budget. We call it micro. It's actually macro, micro sure. um, budget. And we self-produced it, so found the absolute best set of um, lights China had to offer. Oh, gosh. Um, they had a adapter on the plugs so that um, we could use them in America. <laughs> uh, the adapters were less than stellar, and we started the cafe that we I was previously talking about. The carpet started on fire, so okay. um, we we did quickly distinguish it and changed, uh, not distinguished, extinguished, sorry, <laughs> for all you grammar geeks out there that are going to inundate us with emails about how our grammar is so how you poor. go bigger. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, so, what's it, go bigger or go home. That's what I always say. Um Anyway, sorry, that made me think of something else, and then I went, oh, it's a family show. See, I stopped myself. Yeah, um, Yeah, sorry, where were we? I took a left turn. So I think, so I've, I've honestly, I've never seen Jehenna. I, I don't know where to watch it, so tell us where we can see this film. Um, you can see it on, it's Gehenna. Sorry, again, yeah, sorry. It's okay. Um, and that was one of the problems with the movie, is no one knew what the heck it was. <laughs> um, it, I have a copy you can have. All right. Okay. I, but it'd be fun to have it like on YouTube. People could go out there. It and would watch be, it. but talk to the director because he doesn't want to do that. Really? He still thinks he's going to get his five million for it. Oh, so, um, so tell me about. So that was your first film. That was our first film. And then you decided to go ahead and write your own. And I, I wrote a film one. called The Devil's Hour. Um, it really came from the concept of two things. Number one, our parents' worst nightmare is when we send our kids off to school. Mm -hmm. We have no idea what goes on in those walls. You like the horror stuff, don't you? I like the monster in the house, yeah. that kind uh, of uncomfortable yeah. feeling. What's your favorite? So favorite genre of movies, would you say horror films or mystery, murder mystery type stuff like that? You know, I, I, it's, I don't have a fear. I love everything. Yeah, I mean, that's true. if I, I love a good horror movie, my, I took my uh, youngest, Sophie, she kind of got that same bug. So whenever a good scary movie comes out, she's like, Dad, we got to go see that. <laughs> and we have to go in the theater yep. and because it, it scares the heck out it's of me. Way I better. hate watching horror movies in the theater. Yeah. But it's so fun to see everybody's reaction. I got to tell you, the last one we saw was that uh, 47 meters below Okay. The, the shark one. Yeah. It was like, or 27 meters, whatever it was. But I hadn't heard anything of it. And Sophie's like, Dad, you got to see this preview. After the preview is over, because she knows I'm obsessed with sharks, um, I said, yes, we need to see this. Opening night, we were there. Uh, we went. <laughs> she sat next to me, and it just cracked me up because she's 17, and, you know, kind of the things with that are getting few and far between. Mm -hmm. She turned back into a six-year-old when we were at that movie. <laughs> I'm sure I you mean, were, too. I mean, hands over her face, <laughs> um, diving into my shoulder. Uh, at one point, <laughs> she, there was a... a loud a jump 
you know, we always rate the movies on how many times we jump. I hit the ceiling three times in that one. It was a good one. Jeez. And uh, there was a jump, and I heard, or I felt a tug on my shoulder, and she says, Dad, what just happened? I wasn't looking. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost peed my pants. I was laughing so hard because... It's just so perfect because that was me. You know, I was like, I don't want to see this. It'd be fun to go watch a movie like that in some place scary. Like, imagine how amplified that fear that fear would be if you went to watch it like in a graveyard or no. a haunted. Worse, have you seen the pictures of the the like? Uh, it's like a pond or a lake, <clears throat> and everybody's on floaties oh. and they're watching oh, Jaws on for the sharks. Big yeah, I've seen it before. That's crazy. You did no. Uh, no way in heck would I do that. But like that's, <clears throat> and I, that's a classic. So I mean, but I mean, like you know, the Anoka haunted area, mm-hmm. uh, insane asylum. Yes. What if they put like a, like get you inside one of those houses and be like, all right, it's a, it's a movie night, and it's when to watch you know Chucky four. I don't know if I if I if I could take that kind of fear. I could take Chucky four. It was really bad. Okay. So. Uh, Chucky five was, um, what I was probably should have said. The scariest thing would be them putting the movie into the DVD player. So, um, <laughs> like, we're going to actually go through with this? I think it'd be fun to watch it just in some crazy, spooky place. That would just would double, fun. it would probably double the fear factor for most people. It would. Uh, you could, like, have some noises in the background, like some chains. But you, speaking of that and insane asylums, you know, one of the other films we did was called The Devil's Hour. And that was a film that I wrote, and we started talking about it. Yep. But, um, we actually filmed that one at the Kirkbride in Fergus Falls. I've never heard Which of it. was a, if you go Google it right now, everybody listening. One more time again, um, the Kirkbride? Kirkbride. All right. Yep. It's an insane asylum in Fergus Falls. It's been shut down since 1989. Oh, jeez. So, literally, we got permission to film there, and we had a guy meet us. He basically unlocked the door, turned the light on, and it's like <laughs> one of those 1930 movies. It's like, check out junk and then all the lights like you know crackled the light crackled and i mean there was some weird stuff that happened that was the scariest i've apparently uh ghost hunters went there yeah it's the only place that they've ever been to where they left production halfway through the evening they just couldn't take they couldn't they couldn't stay there and i mean when we took the tour of the place to kind of look around and and see what was being filmed the stuff that we saw was just like hair standing on the back of your neck scary i mean you almost would like a behind the scenes movie shoot of your movie shoot of that just watching the crew i took two memory cards 16 megabyte memory cards of pictures really there must of have pictures? been eight thousand pictures oh, that geez. i took around that place and over i could we ended up only being able to use like 200 of them because something would go wrong with almost every single picture we took there would be like, a light movement or yeah. something. It just it wouldn't focus right. And then when we were filming, there's a scene where the Bible catches on fire. Mm-hmm. And during that scene, all of the lights in the room that we had for lighting popped. They all oh, burst, geez. so we had to put new bulbs in all of them. Another scene we were filming, we were going to film in the bowels of the of the asylum is where all the conduit was for the electricity. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, honestly, I think it was a mile and a half. They said was the actual property and building. And it was one of the first insane asylums where they, his whole thing was people need light. 
so they were very open and very um sunlight came in mm-hmm. and people were treated with sunlight well that worked great until people start jumping off the patios um, <laughs> or the balconies yeah uh then the, the, their philosophy it's changed too much a little then. bit yeah yeah so um but one of the scenes was in this hallway of con and so if you just imagine a hallway so long it comes to a point and we were filming a scene sorry the guy on the moped just went by <laughs> uh, we're filming hey, Chuck. A, How's going, buddy? <laughs> we're filming a scene and uh we had to keep calling cut because at the end of the hall someone would walk across the hall so finally you know after so many takes we got um we went and grabbed the guy and was like you know the one guy who's showing you know waiting at the front desk for us yeah you know i'm like somebody's down there they keep walking across the hallway and he goes this it's impossible there's no way anybody could get in that area down there it is literally locked you guys went into the only way that there was and i'm like well and somebody's living down there because we have it on film and we had to cut never showed up on film really yet we all saw it more than so like more than two people saw it oh there's probably nine of us that's it. it wasn't on film either that's crazy yeah so did you so when you did that help or hurt the movie i mean obviously you didn't plan for that that movie was cursed from the beginning so, <laughs> so you're um, saying it didn't help your your movie i no no it just um that was one of the things that i've done where um the director and i didn't see eye to eye on mm-hmm. a lot of things he kind of took over the story which is fine it was his movie right but he didn't stay true to what i thought you know it they, was like I said, once our kids leave and they go to high school and they go in that building, you don't know what happens. You know, like the teachers, and yeah. I thought it'd be really creepy if one of the teachers was possessed and started screwing with the kid's mind. You know, like, yeah. you know, gosh, I'm having feelings about hurting myself. Yeah, why don't you? Or I want to go to college next year. You're, there's no way in, you're not going to get any college. So that was your. So you wrote the script for that movie. I did. That was your well, script. I wrote the screenplay original. Yeah screenplay did it take you a month a year a decade uh it took it took a couple months yeah you know and truthfully what i gave him was more of an outline of what i you know i didn't write a lot of the dialogue right i wrote the scenes and and he kind of took it from there um was that also like a micro budget that one he put a lot of money into it really which was sad because he we we made our money back with gehenna Mm mm-hmm we didn't even come close on Devil's Hour, so I think he's still fishing around trying to sell There's it. There's no really way to gauge, is there, if it will be a success. I mean, you can have a fantastic screenplay, get the wrong director, and you're you in trouble. Just, I, you know, I think, or the, not the drive. Just saying, the wrong, the wrong players in the in the wrong parts, the wrong actors, the wrong uh, production crew, the wrong location. It yeah, just has I mean, you to can all do come everything together. wrong. Everything has to come together. Right. And Gehenna did. And I still think in Gehenna, if we re-edited it, um, there's a good story there. Devil's Hour, I just think, uh, he tried to keep my concept while having his own, yeah. and it just didn't work. Yeah. So. I'm sure that's how Hollywood works, too, where they, <clears throat> they need to find people they work well together with that can compromise and agree and disagree and find a way to get to the end successfully without killing each other well it's truly a collaboration 
And if you go into it collaborating, you know, I hope if you think back on the things that we've done together, I hope you don't feel at any point in time I was like, no, this is how it is and shut up. No, because I, I was always the newcomer. So I just kind of was along for the ride. I, I was taking whatever you could throw my way. So I became, you know, the quote unquote sound engineer by accident. Um, and still I can only use six of those buttons on that board, maybe seven. That's all you got to know. Not the red one. Don't touch the, the don't touch the red I one. Am I am good. I am good. <laughs> but, uh, no. but, <laughs> but I think that's just kind of where I, I stepped into, I'm not even sure how you got me involved in it. I think you just asked me one night to come out and watch, but. Yeah, um, I, we lost touch there for many years. Yeah. And I think thanks to social media, I think we're back together. Again. I think, is that how it happened? I think it is. We can Probably Facebook. on Facebook, you're, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Well, we always kind of talked. We'd go out for lunch every now and then. Yeah. I mean, you were always in the industry, so. But off constantly. So, again, for the people that don't know us, um, Jason put together a TV show called Off Constantly that is a, a cable access comedy show. Shoot, Shoot. sorry. That's right. Shoot, I just accidentally, it fell. That's okay. How sweet. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Just don't start a, don't start a fire. I can't but, um, hear you. I'm starting a fire. <laughs> but, uh, so Off Constantly is basically three... Now four, right? Is Kevin not just no, three? Just three. three pretty funny people that have topics. Well, one extremely funny person and two okay people. But uh, yeah, Sam is pretty funny. I mean, she's probably the. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I, I wouldn't say it like that. It, don't demean yourself, but but I think for me, it's been um, the the funniest part is that they'll have topics that they will intend to start talking about and immediately be off topic and off they go. And uh, never come, never to come back to the same topic again. And it gets funnier and funnier. And I've had some pretty hilarious laughing moments in the booth trying to keep it together uh, while I couldn't see because I had tears in my eyes. A lot of jokes, a lot of, you know, I mean, and that's what six juvenile years, humor. So. It's, yeah, it definitely is a 12th grade or a 12-year-old humor. But what, this is like the sixth year, fifth year, fourth? I think this will be the sixth year, yeah. yeah. And it's won, won many some, awards. Won many awards, yeah. Won They've added up, I think it was close to 16 or something. So when does Netflix come knocking and say, we've you been know, watching. I, I keep asking myself that question every <laughs> every day I get up and go to work. I'm like, Netflix, come on. <laughs> do you check your phone? And just I any, do. If, any if, Los Angeles? Every 10 minutes I'm checking it. So <laughs> You call Sprint and say, does, is this is my line still working? Does it take calls? Can you hear me now? I mean. <laughs> but I think, so is that is that always, for obviously all these different films you've been involved in different projects has it always been kind of the the end goal is to have it get picked up by somebody yes okay i mean obviously you enjoy doing it so you enjoy your time doing it but you'd love to do it more on a bigger scale and the only way to do that is you keep signing on the projects and hopefully one of them you yeah. sell and that funds your dream for the next one and i you know. uh i follow one of my favorite podcasts is a comedian called burt kreischer and he's known as the machine it's a story he tells and he said that he got in the business as a stand-up comic he never said no to anything. And others would say, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this. He, he just would say yes to everything and go and do a road show in Omaha, whatever. And eventually, it just got momentum and got some snowball effect. And next thing you know, he's uh, he's he's up and running as a L.A. comic with his own big deal. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I think that's something to be said about that because that's something that... That's, um, that's scary. He, he said he did many shows where he made no money. He would fly out to a show in Kansas and uh, end up um, being a net negative, where he made less. He spent more to get it out and back than he did, did than he made in his in his uh, in his commission. But 
so that's I think how he attributes his success is just never saying no and just everything he can get his hands on and I know that that there's been times where with mutual friend DW and he's he's said to me before I want to make sure I, I know what's on my plate and that it's 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 what I choose to be on my plate and I think that's also important too to be selective not just you could you could spend your time spinning your wheels on a thousand projects at once sure um, but I think being selective and that's where I think so Z-Fest, tell me about Z-Fest. For, for those that don't know what that is, what is Z-Fest? Z-Fest is a local festival put on by Z-Systems. They rent a lot of the equipment we used in the film. Um, and they, I think initially started as a festival to kind of promote their products and get people to use them and... It was kind of self-serving, I think, if you think about it. Hey, let's rent more equipment. I know we can do that by having our own film festival. <laughs> and it's genius when you think about it. Um, but we've been, I've been a part of it for, uh, this is our third year now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have written two for next season. So Two? Jeez. Yeah. Now whether or not we're going to do two, mm-hmm. I don't know. So the year, year, the first year was trolling. 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 Yep. Uh, and I was involved in that. And the premise of that was again, tell us what that was. That was a a guy joins a, <laughs> a text dating yeah. app, and the idea is you get to know the person before you meet. Um, you can't send any pictures. You can't send any emails. You can only text. And after two weeks, if you like them, then the company sets up a meeting, a meet and greet kind of thing. And this guy has just gotten out of a, a 20 year 15 20 year relationship i can't remember what it was now but as he's signing his divorce papers he's like i have no idea what i'm doing now and i i literally thought about it and went man i'm so glad i'm not dating nowadays <laughs> swipe to the left <laughs> I know. Or, you know i mean it's like i would have no idea where to begin and that's kind of where i started with this story is let's take the fish and drop them somewhere and see what happens and he falls in love with this girl and they meet and after the first date, they walk outside to the car and they start kissing like, this is amazing. Yeah. He's totally in love with her and she kind of pushes him against the wall and gets, I mean, they're going full on kiss. We won best kiss, actually. Yeah, I did. Of Z-Fest. And, uh, don't tell the ending. You can't spoil Oh, it. I can't tell no, the No, don't spoil it for people. Well, yeah, they can watch that one on, that one's actually on YouTube. Is it? So if you look up trolling, you can see so it. So I was, I don't remember my, I think I was a... Uh, a mic operator or something in that in that set and uh I, I was just along for the ride but i've never before been in the crew during a staged kiss like that we were outside the restaurant and it was like take two take three take four and i was feeling like they had just met that day i believe right they, they had just met that minute if you remember that was the first thing that's we right yeah and i did so, that on purpose oh jason so i didn't know that part because it was awkward they were trying to fight the awkwardness of i'm kissing a stranger in front of nine people and one guy holding a boom mic. Yep. Um, but in front, in broad public, we were on the corner of, what's the, what, it was in Miller's on yep. Main, right? Yep. One of the two streets. now Tavern on Main. Oh, my gosh. Main Street and uh, People driving by, Lake complete Drive. strangers. You know, we didn't close down the street corner. We just no. filmed. But uh, I remember it was like, I think it was like four or five takes. And it was, I've never, I'm trying to like look away and give them some privacy because I felt like I should. <laughs> I should but I had to watch what I was doing with the mic too. But uh, it gave me some inside feelings of how it would be to be in hollywood and have to just do your job they were doing their job forewarning too if you if you do listen to this and decide to go to youtube and watch it 
keep in mind that was one of those we learned a lot during yeah. that session like this first podcast this this won't be perfect audio won't be amazing but we'll get better but that, i think that's how you have to grow too that's how you get better at anything absolutely and the only way you can grow is keep doing it and yep. um as far as the kissing scenes go i mean luckily we were able to cast two people that were you know 20 plus year actors allison was she awesome yeah is she's Kurt been was. she's been amazing um so that was not their first time being told to kiss on command no and it wasn't it was that was our first time working with kurt but allison we'd worked with on um two other projects so okay. um i knew her i love she just is always 100 percent all in yeah. in anything we do so and kurt was um talk about the the quintessential actor he just looked the part he just looked like to me his acting was amazing but he just looked like the guy that we were talking about yeah the guy getting divorced that's handsome and rugged good looks and could just go out there and meet someone new that next day and have a new experience and so we we crazy. honestly thought he should have done the whole thing with his like shirt off but yeah i did i had my shirt off the whole time so. yeah i know that, was, that got out <laughs> I, know. I kept trying to look away and <laughs> i thought that was what you're supposed to do you know no because they're supposed to imagine people naked that's how they're supposed to get yep. get calm but so, I thought you literally said help out. i'm gonna give you a visual for that so. um <laughs> no that was a blast i i was when i got home that night my wife's like how was it like it was it was a pretty trippy day that was that was a crazy day uh from we did what two different locations three different locations well, that had a bunch of different There was locations. the, uh, oh, that's right. So it was a factory, first of all. Well, not the factory. We actually that. had split up into two units at one point. So Oh, really? That's right. I forgot about that. Somebody, you guys were sitting up at Miller's, and I was doing a lot of B-roll pickup stuff with right. Kurt at a, oh, a park. Right. and So we started off at that uh, and warehouse factory-ish place, and you guys took off and did that. We went to yeah. Miller's. Um, so tell me more about, so that was your, the first year submission. Uh, you got, you won best kiss for Z fest and best WTF moment. So. Oh gosh. That's why we won't tell it. We have to leave. What? It's okay. I stop. Sorry. I, I don't have ashtrays. That's I why we're outside. So. My kids think that cigars are drugs, so I can't have them in the house. I don't smoke them very often. Um, but that's why there's no ashtrays and that's why our lighter is not an actual lighter. It's one of those. It's a grill lighter. <laughs> it's a grill lighter. Um, <laughs> and I mean, so, we got a killer fire going all the way over there. I wouldn't use that to light your cigar. You'd burn your face off. Doing Probably. That, but, yeah. Um, but no, I, so, so the year number, year two. Year two. I'd actually written one, um, that is one of the ones that we'll possibly do next year. But you want me to keep going or yeah, you yeah, look yeah. like you're going to ask me a question. I, I was going to keep going. Keep, no, go ahead and ask no, no, the question keep first. Going, no, because no, you write, did you, So these are all written and produced by you? Y the trolling was. Right. I was going to write, I wrote and was going to do uh, another one, but just ran out of time. And so, but I loved Z-Fest and I had so much fun doing it that I had to get on a project. So I went on a Facebook group that I'm at and there was an open call for... Uh, a short with a director I'd never worked with, with a crew I'd never worked with. And I thought, wow, if I'm going to push, push myself and grow, I'm going to yeah. sign on to someone else's That's project. That's actually a great idea. Um, and see if I can even get on, you know. I mean, I I know, I, I, off constantly I do a show, but I pretty much just play myself. I'd never actually had a role where I was acting like someone else. Right. And so that was intimidating. And it attracted me because i was like you know I, the more 
uncomfortable you get, the yep. better performance you usually do. Yeah, so, you, were, you were actually pretty good in that. That was um, I hadn't seen you act before, to be honest. I don't think I'd ever seen you act before. And you pulled it off. You had the clean cut. Yeah. You had a tie on? Yeah. And a suit and tie? Yeah, you were yeah. in the back seat. And... The so jovial, tell us the premise of that. Of that. Uh, that movie is called Carpool. It's just basically about the ride to work one day with these four characters that, you know, you've got the, the alpha male. Right. The you've driver. got the... Um, Mimi from Drew Carey show, you know, <laughs> just makeup, happy-go-lucky, everything is so great, life is wonderful, you know, she takes care of her cats, and that's that's her that's her world, and then you've got the young hipster that puts his headphones on, and, you know, he's just too cool for the rest of the world, so he's just going to live within his own mind in, in, in this car ride, and then you've got the guy in the jovial guy in the back seat that never shuts up <laughs> and just always wants to be a part of everything and that was you yeah so you know i kind of channeled my inner um chris farley and yep. um he had actually had me watch parks and rec i didn't watch that show before but he based the character off one of the characters in the show and i, I don't recall who it was and um that was really nerve-wracking though because i i read the script I didn't know anything about it when I went when we started filming. We filmed for we were supposed to film on a Saturday. Had a seven thirty call. I got there and the actress that we had hired to or cast to do, not we, that Mike Mike Sorensen was the guy that that, that wrote and directed it. Um, she had actually gone to the hospital that morning and wasn't able to make it. So. Um, he quickly recast that afternoon. We shot. We had a two-day shoot scheduled. We actually did it all in one day. Um, everything that could have gone wrong did. The sound guy didn't show. So it was really kind of refreshing because our usually our <laughs> our productions things go like that. So and I'm like, and these guys are are, are you know a pretty big production company. So really? um, I, I was happy to see. I felt sorry, you know, really bad for him, but at the same time, I was really happy to see that it's not just us <laughs> yeah. yeah so much that can go wrong. wrong you don't realize like even with off constantly we have three people